What is the right way to ensure that your company succeeds in your absence? What is an opportunistic entrepreneur? How do they differ from an artisan entrepreneur? What is a key point in entrepreneurship that people tend to miss? All right, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Questions Entrepreneurs Ask. My name is Dylan Gallagher. This is my podcast. This is where I get to wax philosophically on questions that are posted in Quora, either to me directly or I see them in my feed or just in my natural ebb and flow of life. Uh, Entrepreneurs or clients talk to me about these things and um, I use this podcast as a platform to talk about these things because I think that uh, it's very lonely being an entrepreneur. I think it can be very difficult to find other people that might empathize or sympathize with what you're going through. And so this is my opportunity to try and add a little bit of wind into your sail or a stone into your shoe. But nonetheless, after listening to an episode, hopefully you hang up your earbuds um, or you turn it off and you say, I'm glad I listened to that because I learned something valuable. Or there's somebody I know who could benefit from this and I'm certainly glad that, um, that I downloaded it and listened to it. Just a quick aside, want to again thank everyone who is listening um, and reviewing, sending me notes and talking to me about the podcast and the impact that it's having uh, in their uh, in their life. It seems like I've been doing it consistently enough that the audience is sort of organically growing on its own, and it's very cool. And I'm getting uh, more emails than not, or messages or conversation pieces involving, hey, I was listening to your podcast, Dylan, that was a good one, thanks for posting it, here's what I learned. And of course, it does wonders for my ego and my pride, so please keep it up. (laughs) All jokes aside, I hope you're getting value from this, and I certainly, it certainly sounds like some people are, and so um, if you're listening to the podcast, make sure to rate it or share it. If not for your benefit, do it for the benefit of someone else, because when you do that kind of stuff, this content has a funny way of finding its way to the people that need it. All right, so let's get started with the first question, which is what is the right way to ensure that your company succeeds in your absence? Now, isn't this the dream of most entrepreneurs to create something that just produces cash when they're not around? And if you've been an entrepreneur for any length of time, you will know that that is a goal that many entrepreneurs don't hit. And it often takes the form of I'm working in my business, not on my business, and yada, 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 yada. So I'm not going to break out the whole in your business, on the business thing, because I think that there are a lot of uh, coaches that will talk about that. There's certainly a lot of articles and information on the web that you can find, and that's a topic that is discussed at length. For me, the way I'm going to answer this question is I'm going to just mention and talk about kind of the one fundamental thing that I do think makes the difference and is probably the hardest thing for an entrepreneur uh, to do until they see it working, and then it becomes almost addictive. And so my answer, one of my answers rather, to what is the right way to ensure that your company succeeds succeeds in your absence is to build a team that is better than you. And for sure, that's not the first time you've heard that, but I am telling you, until you start hiring people that are better than you, and then you get over your ego and your pride, you will not be able to be absent from your business and have it run. You really do need to take 
Uh, you know, let me back up. Entrepreneurs tend to have domain expertise, meaning they're really good at the product or the service that they deliver. They tend not to be very strong in the other aspects of their business, be it finance, be it operations, be it sales and marketing or social media or whatever, but they really have a ton of domain knowledge about the product or service that their business delivers. What's interesting is that you can hire people, believe it or not, you can actually hire people that are amazing at the other pieces, amazing at finance, amazing at operations, amazing at management, amazing at sales and marketing, amazing at social media, but guess what? They don't have domain knowledge or they don't have domain expertise. And so for me, it's interesting because if an entrepreneur really understood kind of this yin and this yang where you've got the expertise, but you don't have the other stuff, but you can hire really good people who have the other stuff, but don't have the expertise. If an entrepreneur really understood the power of that, uh, there would be many more entrepreneurs dying to hire super smart people that are way better than them, and then investing and downloading that domain knowledge into them so that they can go ahead and run the business in the absence of the entrepreneur. So that's the way I answer that question. I think it's super tricky for entrepreneurs because no entrepreneur wants to be told that they're doing something really terribly or that they're not very good at something. And if they're the entrepreneur, they're the boss. And so people probably aren't saying anything, but kind of everybody knows that the entrepreneur is coming up short in these areas, but they need the entrepreneur because that domain expertise or that knowledge of the product or the service that the business is delivering is really key. And so how do you like separate the two? So I would say if you're an entrepreneur listening to this right now, you got to get over yourself. You got to hire people that are better than you in the things that you are not good at. And I'll go even further to say you're probably not good at anything in the business compared to the people that you could be bringing in to do it. But what you are going to be good at is having the domain knowledge and the domain expertise that you could download to people better than you and actually have them run a business that will uh, uh, keep going in your absence and continue to be very, very profitable. So again, I get it. You can work in the business, on the business. There's a whole bunch of like kind of standard answers to this question. But for me, it's really understanding as an entrepreneur, hey, I've got the domain expertise. I've got the knowledge of this industry. I can hire everything else and I can download into these other people my knowledge so that they can then take what I've done to the next level. And then my job is to coach, answer questions, fill in gaps, and ultimately support all of those folks that are showing up every day to build the business that I started. So hopefully you find a little bit of value in that. Uh, the second question lined up here is, what is an opportunistic entrepreneur? How do they differ from an artisan entrepreneur? You might be thinking, who cares? I'm an entrepreneur. I do my thing. But I think it's important, again, based on my experience working with real-life entrepreneurs, as well as trying to be one myself, an opportunistic entrepreneur are those people that, that have the golden touch. And certainly, I know there's a few folks listening to this podcast that I would put in that category of opportunistic entrepreneur. They just get it. They just know how to find people, put a team together, take advantage of an opportunity, and get really, really wealthy. Unfortunately, I also know many artisan entrepreneurs that mistake themselves for on, op, opportunistic entrepreneurs. And artisan entrepreneurs are people that love the idea of what it is they're doing. They love the product or service that their business offers. They love it so much that the business doesn't even do anything. It doesn't generate profit, doesn't have meaningful margins, usually has a weak balance sheet, but they're just so in love with the product or service that they're offering. Like it's really like a, 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 um, 
a work of art. It's, it's a, um, a position of passion where you get up every day to deliver your product or service, but you're not totally concerned with the business elements of what you're doing. You didn't start the business to be profitable. You did it because, quite frankly, you wanted to run maybe, maybe even a charity. I don't know. But there is a difference between an opportunistic entrepreneur and an artisan entrepreneur. And you might be wondering, Dylan, which one are you? And I'd say, you know, I'm certainly like the artisan entrepreneur. Uh, Part of the reason why I do this podcast is not because it makes me money, not because it adds to my balance sheet or my personal net worth, but just because I love business and I love entrepreneurship. Um, I'm not an opportunistic entrepreneur, and that's why I've decided to invest my time and money into other entrepreneurs that I think are opportunistic and they just simply need help doing um, some of the things that I happen to be gifted in being able uh, to do. So why this matters to you if you're listening to this is because you kind of need to know what you're getting up every day to do. You're either getting up every day to build some art or you're getting up every day to build some profit. And if you're an opportunistic entrepreneur, you are going to take advantage of opportunities that strengthen your balance sheet and help you build a profitable business. And you're going to be smart enough to know what you don't know and you're going to problem solve, and you're going to grow a business that will ultimately be very successful. Versus an artisan entrepreneur where you think you're trying to take advantage of opportunity, but really what you're looking for is just to be satisfied every day, put in a good day's work, um, and hopefully be paid a meaningful amount of money for the work that you're doing. But don't fool yourself. You're not building something that is valuable, that will grow, that will have more value with each passing day. There's no right or wrong answer. But you do. You should know enough about yourself, or be um, have an, enough self awareness to say, "I am either opportunistic or I'm artistic." You should know which hat that you wear every day, because it does impact the decisions that you make. It impacts um, the the people that you hire. It impacts the kind of marketing that you do. It impacts how you look at your margins. It looks. It impacts how you perceive your value in the marketplace as a product or a service. So um, now that I've said it, hopefully you're thinking about it. And as you're you know, running or driving or walking or however you're listening to this, just take inventory and go, okay, what am I? Am I an opportunistic entrepreneur or am I, am I, or am I an artistic entrepreneur? And then if I'm not happy with the answer, what changes do I need to make to go down that path? So... Uh, you might be wondering why this question came up, incidentally, and that's because over the last couple of weeks, I just happened to be meeting with more than a handful of entrepreneurs, and it just sort of became clear to me as I was talking through, you know, the challenges in their business and some of the things that they're facing that, you know, there really are these two camps that entrepreneurs can sit in, and so I felt on uh, this week's podcast that I would uh, that I would address that. All right. Coming up to the 10-minute mark here, yeah, let's get this last question uh, answered, which is, what is a key point in entrepreneurship that people tend to miss? And while there may be lots of key points, the one that I'm focusing in on today, again, as a result of uh, these past couple weeks and the types of conversations I've been having, is um, one of the key points is people versus product. What I mean by that is, do your customers use your business because of the product that it offers or the commodity that it offers? Or are they using your business because of the people that are in your business? What I mean by that is do you, would, if you increased your prices by 10%, would business drop? If the answer is yes, chances are customers are only using your business because of the product or the service that it offers, not because of the people that are offering it or delivering it. Conversely, if you were to increase your prices by 10%, 
or 15%, and you wouldn't experience a lot of attrition in your client base. Maybe some people get a little fussy, but for the most part, you don't see a huge drop uh, in sales, if any drop at all. It means that your your business is being used by customers because of the people that are delivering the experience uh, to those customers and, and what they're prepared to pay for. Now, again, entrepreneurs will... If you've never thought about this before, entrepreneurs will default to saying our business is the best provider of X product or X service. But the truth is the only test for that is when you go to increase your prices. And if you increase your prices and you lose your customers, then the truth is they're only using you because of the product, not because of the people. But most entrepreneurs want uh, customers to use their business because of the people. They want to say, we're really great at what we do. we got a great team. They're the most experienced. They're the most knowledgeable. They'll, they'll give you the best service you've ever had. But if you increase your prices and people leave, then you know people customers aren't using your business because of the people. So then you might say, okay, Dylan, well, why does this matter? Why is this a key point that you're spending time talking about? Again, if, you, if customers are using your business because of your team, and your people delivering the experience, that is a business that is undoubtedly going to have higher margins and be more profitable than a business that that customers are using simply because of the product or the service. It's value versus commodity. And no problem with each. I mean, there's no right answer. It's just important to understand why are customers using your business? Because of the product or because of the people? And the answer to that question, again, will have significant impact or should have significant impact on the types of decisions that you're making. Uh, Do we change our uh, retention strategy? Do we change our referral strategy? How do we market our product or service to the marketplace? Do we really understand uh, the need that we're filling or the problem that we're solving? And depending on what your goal is as the entrepreneur, meaning do we want customers to use us because our people are the draw, or do we want customers using us because our product or our service is the draw? Uh, It's going to create some different decisions, and if you're not aware of it, you could be making poor decisions based on unreasonable expectations. And I had a, a conversation with an entrepreneur this week that went on to that went on to describe to me why she believes that uh, customers um, love her business. And then as we kind of talked through it, you could hear what she was really saying was they're using our business because we're a great team and we work really hard at being the best provider of this. But the truth is the pricing question is was was raised and all of a sudden it became apparent to her that, oh, wait a minute. No, you know what? You're right. Like as much as we think our customers love us, if we increased our price, the truth is, yeah, you're right. We would lose a bunch of them because we've not created enough value or the experience isn't strong enough that it could withstand a higher price and as a result, a higher margin. So hopefully that gives you something to think about today as you're out running your business or trying to make decisions in your business is, you know, are, are customers using us because of people, meaning there's real value here that isn't easily replaceable in the market or uh, isn't easily competed upon? Or are customers using us because we're simply offering a commoditized product or service and we just have to make sure that we're price sensitive and as long as we're price sensitive, then people will continue to use us. As you're driving around and thinking about that, maybe that'll give you some ideas on understanding where you fit and then if you don't like where you fit, some things that you need to start considering to make a change. So that's it. 
that's all the time that I have today. I really appreciate you again tuning in and joining. I would hope that you'd have an opportunity to tell another entrepreneur or tell an entrepreneur, if you're not one yourself, about this podcast and the the type of information that's being shared and the type of answers. Again, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Uh, I just happen to have made a lot of mistakes, have spent a couple of decades working with other entrepreneurs, witnessed them make mistakes. And so I try to provide kind of more tactile information, more actionable information that you can can do something with instead of sort of textbook... um, cliche type answers. And so if you think there's an entrepreneur that can benefit from that, make sure to rate this or share it or tell someone about it. Um, I'm sure you could you could save an entrepreneur's business today by doing that. How's that for a claim? Anyway, thanks for listening and we'll s- hope to see you or uh, catch you on next week's episode.